Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast, where we chat with our community about topics that interest you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast. I'm Alice Penn, Director of Marketing and Communications. Joining me today is Carlos Hernandez, middle school science teacher for grades six and eight. Welcome, Carlos. Hello. So anyone who knows Mr. Hernandez will know that one of his passions is gardening. He loves the outdoors and he's led many student learning activities in the gardens on our campus. Today he's going to talk about the benefits of getting children involved in gardening and he's going to talk about the different types of gardens and what types of things will thrive in our local planting zone. So let's begin um, with the benefits of gardening. So to begin with Mr. Hernandez, tell us about some of the benefits that gardening has for children. Sure. Um, thank, thank you again for inviting me to do this. Um, gardening is just awesome. Um, there's so many different benefits of gardening. Um, for example, it, it gives, gardens gives uh, kids and adults some hands-on learning about real, um, physical, tangible things in front of them. Um, also gives them a good appreciation for good nutrition, healthy food. Um, gardening can be integrated in to just about every subject, including math and science, social studies. I mean, in math, you can practice estimating uh, the number of crops produced, subtracting by the actual numbers yielded. Um, in science, you can do all sorts of different experiments with the soil, the amount of light, the amount of water, and really have the students kind of go through the scientific method. Um, for social studies, you can explore agricultural um, geography by having students maybe research area where crops grow best um, and then maybe kind of plot that on a map. So for example, you know, we tend to think of like peaches coming from Georgia. Um, most of our bananas tend to come from like Ecuador. Um, so things like that. Um, in the arts, of course, you can go outside and do still lives. Um, you can actually get some of the um, products that are harvested in the actual garden. So for example, things like celery stalks, potato ends, lettuce heads. Um, you can practice making like uh, printmaking. Um, you can hollow out gourds and make musical instruments. So it really is just kind of depends on what it is that you like to do. Um, but the main benefit of gardens for everybody is that, especially with children, um, it teaches them environmental stewardship. Um, gardens are a great way to bring the community together. Um, and, you know, children tend to like or they're willing to try foods or more likely to try those foods if they actually grew them themselves. Sounds amazing. So, um, so if someone's decided they want to get into gardening, let's say they're just getting started with gardening, mm -hmm. uh, one thing to think about is the type of garden they want to have. Uh, I live in an apartment with a balcony and I've got a small container garden. Uh, what are some of the different garden types and some of the considerations uh, that someone should make? Sure. Um, well, there actually is all types of different gardening, of uh, different gardens that you could do. Um, so the first thing to think about is, you know, what kind of space do you have available for growing those plants? A um, couple things to considering when you're planning out a garden. Um, you can do a container garden, which actually would work really well for your small space. Right. Um, <laughs> I've got a little bit of a container garden going in my area as well. Um, usually you just find some kind of, you know, receptacle like a pot or if you want to get into the recycling part, you can use old uh, milk jugs I've seen containers out of. Um, but a good container garden is going to have some pots and assorted containers. Um, these are great for growing things like lettuce, um, any kind of greens, peppers. 
Um, I've even seen summer squash being done on container gardens. Um, hanging baskets are really good for berries, um, small herbs, um, and tomatoes, specifically the cherry tomatoes, because you can actually get those to grow upside down in hanging baskets. Um, you could do a windowsill garden, which is just a smaller version of a container garden. Um, and they're good for, you know, growing edible sprouts, again, little baby lettuces and herbs and things like that. You also have vertical gardens. So if you don't have a lot of space and you want to go vertical, um, you can do this. They're really ideal for small spaces. Um, you can add to them by building a trellis, uh, especially if you have like old recycled materials. Um, and they're great. Vertical gardens are great for things like beans, peas, um, grapes, although you have to watch out for grapes because they can get a little overgrown. They can right. take over things. Yeah. So. Um, you could really want to get fancy with vertical gardens. You could do hydroponic tower gardens. Um, you can incorporate fish into it. Um, that's a little bit more on the... Sounds the, very ambitious. Yeah, that's yeah, on the ambitious end. Yeah. Correct, yes. Um, there's all sorts of different ones, too. So let's say that you actually have a good space um, and you've decided what kind of garden you want. Um, you could start with something like a butterfly or a pollinator garden. Um, so what you need for this is you're going to need some host plants and some flowering plants. And what I mean by host plants is there are certain species of butterfly that will only lay eggs on a very specific type of plant. So for example, um, monarch caterpillars, um, you'll find those on milkweed. Um, so the reason that the monarch caterpillars lay their eggs on the milkweed and the caterpillars eat the milkweed is that, I don't know if you've ever seen milkweed, but it has kind of this like milky substance whenever right. you break the leaves it off. it does, yeah. Um, it's actually very bitter. Okay. So the reason that the caterpillars eat that is that when they metamorphosize into butterflies, of course, they're kind of a bright orange color. Mm -hmm. And things in nature, they're usually bright colors, say either I'm poisonous or I taste bad. Yes. Well, the monarch butterflies taste bad. Now, I haven't eaten a monarch butterfly, I'm just telling right. you. Just from, we from just assume. Assuming, <laughs> yes. But there have been experiments of birds that have been raised in captivity versus those in the wild. Yeah. And the ones in captivity will take like one quick bite of a monarch butterfly and immediately spit it out. Okay. So anyway you're going to have to think about that kind of stuff. So if you want a specific kind of butterfly, you got to think, what kind of host plant do I have for the caterpillars? And then you also have to have some, you know, good flowering plants for them. Um, another thing that you could think of is if you just want to do like an herb garden, um, things in this area that grow really well are things like basil, thyme, oregano, mint. Do be careful with mint, though, because that's another one that can get out of hand. Um, sage is another one. Then you can do cilantro, and if you let it go to seed, you can get coriander. But it tends to do better in the fall. Um, it doesn't like it if it's too hot. So maybe if you have a shady spot, that might be a good plant to do. Of course, with vegetable gardens, there's so many different types of veggies and fruit that you can grow here. Um, man, there's so many things. Um, I kind of feel like I can grow more varieties of veggies here than I can when I lived in Florida. But oh, I'll really? talk about, yeah, I'll talk okay. about some of those in a little bit. Okay. Um, you can do cutting gardens. Um, there's nothing better than having fresh cut flowers in your house. Um, anything from Black Eyed Susans do really well here. Uh, coneflowers, zinnias, cosmos, and roses. These are great additions to a cutting garden because these flowers do really well here. Um, you can also do an urban bird habitat garden. Oh. So what this is, is that these gardens provide kind of like an oasis for bird species in the area. Um, in D.C. alone, there's about 300 different bird species. Now, some of them live year-round, some of them are seasonal, migrate, some yeah. kind of migrate mm -hmm. through. 
Um, but the three main things if you're going to provide um, for birds is you just got to have food, water, and shelter. Um, three good plants for an urban bird habitat garden would include something like a, a blackhaw uh, virenum. Um, this is kind of like a dense twiggy shrub. It provides a nesting shelter for birds in the spring and in, in early summer. And then it produces these little black and blue fruits in late fall to winter. So the birds like to eat those. Um, wax myrtle is another good bird uh, tree to have. It's kind of this like grayish um, berries that grow on the shrub. Um, there's like four different, 40 different species of birds that actually eat this. And then of course purple cone flowers. Um, a lot of people call them echinacea, so it's actually the scientific name. Um, these flowers tend to bloom in early June. Bees and butterflies love this. They drink uh, the nectar during the summer. But in the fall, when the heads ripen, um, the coneflowers actually provide a feast of seeds for local birds. So that's another thing you could do. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of different gardens. Sounds um, wonderful. It just kind of depends on what your budget is and what you want to do to start. So um, one thing that uh, always trips me up when I'm picking plants is um, trying to figure out what uh, planting zone that we're in and what will thrive in this area. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about zones? Sure. Um, so the continental United States, um, and actually Alaska as well, and Hawaii, um, we have planting zones. And this was originally designed by the United States Department of Agriculture. And it's just kind of like a rough guide for landscaping and gardening. There are 13 different zones, and they're based by long-term average um, temperatures, you know, when you get your first frost and things like that. We are in planting zone 7, and if you want to get specific, sometimes the zones get split by either A or B. We're in planting zone 7A. Okay. So what this does, uh, what this zone says is that you have kind of a medium-length growing season, most vegetable varieties will have no problem maturing here before the first frost date. Um, usually our first frost date is around April 15th, and then, I'm sorry, the last frost date would be about April 15th, sorry, and the first frost date, date, date would be about November 15th. So that gives you about seven months of gardening time. Um, and of course, they can kind of vary those frost dates, you know, within a week or two, so it's always important to keep an eye out for that. Um, but the annual minimum temperature for zone seven is around five degrees. Again, okay. average. Yeah. So if you're going to start from seeds, which is my favorite method of gardening, um, you have to kind of take into account if you're going to start your seeds indoors and then transplant them, or if you're going to do like a direct sow into your garden. Generally, I prefer to do my seeds inside first. Either I have a, in my little greenhouse, it's just a little six by four by six. It's just a little tiny greenhouse, but it works. And you have that inside? No, I have that outside, it's outside. in my, okay. my house, yeah. Um, but you can also do them by like a windowsill. Honestly, as long as you have a good amount That's of sun. That's what my mother would always do. Yeah, yeah, that totally works. I prefer to do that, and I wait till the plants get to about, you know, about between 12 and 18 inches, depending on what it is that I'm growing, right? And once I get a good size, then I transplant them outside. And what's the benefit then? What do you think is uh, the benefit of doing them inside over outside? <laughs> do they just establish and become stronger? Or? They can, okay. but for me, honestly, is keeping the squirrels and the ah, uh, chipmunks right. away from okay. them. Because yeah. once they see like seeds in the ground, yeah. it's like caviar to them. They're like, oh, I got to get in here and take this, <laughs> yeah. you know, to taste this. Makes sense. So um, another trick that I've done, um, just kind of like incorporating a little bit of like recycling or upcycling is, you know, I like drinking soda water, like seltzer. So I save the bottles and what I do is I make a, I cut the bottles and make a cylinder out of it. 
and then I kind of put that into the ground, bury it about halfway, and then put the plants in there. Okay. And just having that plastic um, shield, for a lack of a better word, yeah, um, is enough to annoy the squirrels because you're never gonna stop them. It's just yeah. what can you do to annoy them that they just kind of go, yeah. eh, it's too much work. Yeah. So that tends to help. So even after I start the plants inside, I think it gives them a. You can kind of see them growing, yeah. and usually it gives them a better chance than just direct sun. Okay. Um, I will tell you that I, I've grown so many things this summer, um, but since we're going into fall, you know, you still actually have a lot of grow time left. So there's a couple things that you can grow if you're interested. So the following are all types of different veggies you can grow right now. Basically, you've got until the end of fall. Um, you can do beets, broccoli, carrots, cauliflower, kale, lettuce, peas are especially good this time to get them started, um, spinach, Swiss chard, uh, kohlrabi, you can do onions, radishes, wow. any of those you can still grow. Yeah. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, over the summer, uh, <laughs> I'm still like harvesting. I have so many tomatoes right now, but I was able to get two types of potatoes. So I was able to, to harvest uh, red and Yukon gold potatoes, corn, a ton of different tomato varieties, uh, a lot of sunflowers do well here, so you can actually save the seeds. And what I do is I take the seeds and I put them in a brine of salt water overnight. Okay. Then I dry them out in a paper towel and then you just roast them in the oven and they're a great snack. Oh, they're really lovely. good. Uh, cucumbers, microgreens, peppers, these are all things that I grew over the summer. But for the fall, you still have plenty of things that you can do. Um, yeah, gardening's just fun. I bet dinner in the Hernandez house must be amazing. It all is. That fresh uh, produce. It absolutely is. Uh, <laughs> but after a while, because I grew so many tomatoes, you, you get kind so of get, many of them. Yeah, yeah. I give them away because I get so yeah. sick of them. So, but yes. <laughs> well, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation about plants and gardening. If you have any questions or are curious to learn more about gardening, feel free to reach out to Mr. Hernandez. You can reach him by email at chernandez at congressionalschool.org, and he would be more than happy to help. So thank you and uh, have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Congressional School Podcast. Learn more by visiting congressionalschool.org.